This episode goes out to all my single moms out there. You know, when we think about being a mom, we often think the best and easiest way to be a mom is to be in a partnership and to have a husband to help us with all the child rearing. Well, Heather Wells is here to share with us that she's been a single mom for years, struggling just to make ends meet with her special needs children. And guess what? She prefers it that way. Tune in to find out her story about navigating being a single mom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, the synchronistic moments and all the events of our life that lead us to the inevitable conclusion of our soul's curriculum and learning everything we came here to learn. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations. I made this prayer years ago where I said I deeply desire to interface directly with God, source, creator, universe, divine mother, the consciousness, the presence, the essence, and to live my life connected with that greater knowing and to skip all the intermediaries. And, uh, you know, life brings me directly all these beautiful messages and insights And I'm delighted that I get to host this podcast and that I get to invite other amazing individuals to come and share their stories. And I get to be in the space of amazing individuals who are listening to these broadcasts. And I can always feel your presence out there beyond the veil, listening from wherever you're listening from and engaging with us in whatever way you're engaging. And so thank you for showing up once again for another conversation. Today, I am pleased to be with Heather Wells. Welcome, Heather. Hi, thank you for having me. So glad you're here. Heather Wells is the creator of the Single Mom blog and podcast dedicated to inspiring and supporting single moms. She is a single mother who spent years struggling just to make ends meet. And now she's a successful business owner and is dedicated to helping other single moms find the tools, resources, and mindsets to navigate through the craziness of raising children alone. And oh my goodness, we were just talking about that just before we got on. It's like, wow, like, isn't it chaotic being a single mom and and having a business owner, an entrepreneur and And going 10 different directions all at once. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So when when we first met, we had a really beautiful in-depth conversation about your choice to be a single mom and about your choice to be an entrepreneur and how that came about. And I would love for you to share highlights from that discussion here so that our audience can know who you are and whatever yeah. is coming up for you is cool. Cause I don't expect you to remember what we talked about <laughs> yeah, a while ago. I think I have a hard time remembering what I did yesterday. So <laughs> totally got you. So just tell us more about you and your and how you came to these life choices and the life that you're living now. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that I ever actually specifically chose initially to be a single mom. It was just sort of something that was thrust upon me. But given the options that I had, single mom was was the better of the, of the options that I was given. So I found out when I was 23 that I was pre- well, 22. 
20? Yeah, 22 that I was pregnant and also with twins. And that was a uh, surprise in itself. It was definitely not something that was planned. And the gentleman who was the father of those boys was not the best ideal. He was great for hanging out and having a good time. But other than that, he was never going to be dad of the year material. And so that was where that choice came in of do I, you know, am I going to be a single mom or am I going to be involved with someone who is not a good person for me in the long term? And so in that aspect, it was a choice to be a single mom. So had twins, twin boys uh, when I was 23 years old. And at five months old, my son was hospitalized by his father. So both of my boys are shaken baby survivors and they have traumatic brain injuries. And so he spent about a month and a half in the hospital and has become my miracle child. He was never supposed to leave the hospital. They told me he would be a vegetative state for the rest of his life, probably. So he's a walk and talk in miracle. He's about to turn 21 this year and he's proven all the doctors wrong and has, you know, he still has his issues and developmental delays. And that's a part of my journey too, is being a, a mom of a special needs child. And then when my boys were seven, I uh, was involved with a gentleman and um, we ended up having a baby as well. So I have a daughter and she is about to turn 14, which is terrifying to me. And, <laughs> and so um, along this journey, I basically spent this whole time being a single mom. And actually, I, you know, with the exception of spending many, many years struggling, I thrive as a single mom. I really enjoy being a single parent. I struggle with co-parenting. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a definite journey. And then I spent probably about eight years on government assistance programs struggling to try and make ends meet because, you know, I worked full time, but I had to have childcare to do so. And the cost of childcare was just so exorbitant that it, there was just no way that I could afford it, you know, to work my full-time job. So I was on government assistance programs for on and off for eight years until I decided, okay, this is this is going to keep me struggling. And I'm tired of being in a struggling mindset. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend my life being this way. But I feel like for a large part of my life, that was what I, or parenting life, I felt like that was sort of my lot in life because I was a single mom, that that was just how it was supposed to be. And so I did finally come to a, a good mind shift to say, okay, I really have to start thinking outside of the box if I ever really want my life to be any different than this. And so I decided to start my own business working from home and dove in feet first, had no idea what I was doing, but I was determined to make it work. And I was able to build a business as a virtual assistant and then got into marketing and it just sort of took off from there. So that's been my journey for the past you know, 14, well, no, 20, almost 21 years now. <laughs> wow, that's so potent because especially I feel like you're familiar with my work in healing the mother wounds and rewiring all these patterns of the patriarchy and the disempowerment of the female. And so then like talking with you about your experience of being a single mom and your preference for that, and like, you're just full ownership of that was yeah. really inspiring because it's like, this is the change we're in right now is that sometimes that's the right choice. Yeah. And it's not for everyone, but for some people it is right. And I feel like we've been sort of groomed to feel like if you don't fit this 
mold that we arbitrarily came up with of mom, dad, 2.5 kids in a house with a white picket fence, then you are not, you're failing in some way, or you did something wrong. And for a lot of people that really works for them. And I, I don't begrudge anyone that life, but for me, that's just, that's not what works for me. Yeah. And so you're, it's so interesting because you're in this position of claiming your power Mm -hmm. and you don't need the masculine, like the knight in shining armor to ride Mm -hmm. up. It's actually like in your way. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I don't know what to do with that person, right? So like I've had, I've tried dating and I've had some guys that have come into my life that they want to be that person. Like they feel like, oh, I will fill that space for you. I will come and rescue you and save you. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't know how to deal with you. That bothers me. And it never works out because I'm like, I don't need that from you, but they need to give that to me. And if they can't, they don't know how to handle that, right? If they can't fill that space that they feel like they should, they're not that, you know, they're not my person, which is fine, but I don't need that from you, you know? And so one of my favorite little memes that I ever saw is, um, don't fashion me into a maiden who needs saving from a dragon. I am the dragon and I will eat you whole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's my meme. Cause I just, I don't need to be saved. I save myself. And so, you know, if I ever do have somebody be a part of my life, they'll just be like, my life's okay without you in it. So if you're going to be in it, you are just an addition. Like you contribute to my life, but I'm, you're not required to make my life function. So yeah. And that's hard for a lot of, a lot of people to deal with, especially a lot of men. They don't know how to fit into that mold. Yeah. They don't know what to do with that. You know, that patriarchal stuff, it trips up everybody, the masculine Mm -hmm. and the feminine, it trips us Mm -hmm. all up. Yeah. So it's like, we all have to be willing to let go of those roles and identities that were programmed from yeah. all the fairy tales at childhood, right? Like every yes. fairy tale. <laughs> every princess waiting for her. That's why I told my daughter, I said, I really like the newest um, Disney movie, the Raya one. It's the Raya and the Last Dragon, because it's not about any of that. It's literally this girl who goes and kicks butt and and tries to save everyone. And it's not about a princess who needs saving or, and and like she does the work. And so I think they're finally starting to flip that switch, which is awesome. But yeah, it's taken some time, but yeah, I think growing up, it was always the princess getting saved by the the prince. What do I do without this man to come get me? And I never really understood that. (laughs) Wow. It's really, you know, what's really potent and present for me right now in our conversation is that you were 22 with two twin boys and full-time mom working. Yes. And that you owned that, like you took that on. Did you ever have like any victim stories about that? Like did victim stories arise for you? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is too much or I don't have any support. Like I can see that there's plenty of spaciousness for victim stories in that, in that story. Yeah. You know, there was definitely the opportunity for it. And I won't ever say, I won't say that I didn't ever feel that sometimes the, oh, woe is me. Like I definitely felt a lot of that, but I also didn't have the time. Like I couldn't do that. I just couldn't sit and wallow in that because if I did, who would take care of my kids? Who would make everything function? So a lot of times I think you know, you'll find that there is sort of that feeling in the back of your head of just that, oh, it's not fair. Oh, this shouldn't be this hard or, oh, I have to struggle. So like I said, I did have that story that I told myself of because I'm a single mom, this is always how it's going to be. 
it's always going to be financially hard. I'm always going to be struggling. I'm going to be that quote unquote, typical welfare, single mom story. And so there was a little bit of that, but there was never any self-pity around it because I really just didn't have the time to feel sorry for myself and sit there and say, well, it's not fair. Yeah, it may not have been fair, but oh, well, it's that's what I'm dealing with. And if I want to be able to move forward, I can't sit there and dwell in that. And that's that's pretty much how I've been through all of the stuff that's gone on, all of the things that have happened with my son, because it's been a, you know, his whole life has been, we have to just wait and see how he's going to progress, you know, because we don't know what his brain injury is going to bring. He may grow up to be totally fine and you never know anything was wrong with him or he could. And this is what I was presented with by the doctors when he was an infant. He could grow up and be fine and you would know, or he can grow up and only reach developmentally the age of seven. And that's what you have for the rest of your life. So it was really literally a wait and see. But if we dwelled in it, anytime I got a diagnosis from the doctor, anytime I went to his neuropsych evals and they said, okay, he's stuck and he's been, you know, he's not advancing, he's not progressing. Anytime anything really bad or traumatic happened, it the way I live my life is, okay, I take a day or two if necessary to process and feel and be sad and cry and wallow. And then I stop and go, okay, what's my next steps? What do I need to do? Because I can't dwell in that or everything will fall apart. There's nobody else to pick up the pieces but me. So I can't afford to do that. That's really powerful. I really fill your heart with your challenges with your son. And my first son, I feel like is my challenge, my loving opportunity to Mm -hmm. drop all my expectations and be present with what is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to love him just And that's hard. That's he hard. is. Yeah. That's hard to do because you, you expected or you wanted things to go this way and that's not the way it's going. And so it's hard to go, okay, I have to actually just deal with what the reality is and go with that. And, you know, I feel like it's the sacred role of the mother to be kind of like the shamans, you know, like the shamans mm-hmm. hold the highest vibration, the highest vision, the highest potential. And if they find themselves dwelling on anything other than the highest potential, they just wipe it clear and start over, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this way that I feel like mothers are like that. Like for our children, we hold the highest potential for our children mm-hmm. without having expectation that it's going to come out that way while holding complete faith and trust that everything is going to work out. And mm-hmm. that's a dance. It is. It's a constant, a constant dance. You know, I ran into that issue when it came to co-parenting with my daughter's dad, because while my boys, it it was a struggle for me because I spent seven years just parenting by myself. The boys' father was not in their lives, obviously, after everything that happened. And so for seven years, it was just me. And then when I had my daughter with her dad, he's full on involved in her life. And that was very difficult for me because I had to switch every day. It was a constant dance of like, okay, these two kids, I parent by myself and I make all the choices and there is no higher power than me. And then I had to switch and go, okay, I have to co-parent with this other person for this child. (laughs) And (laughs) that's difficult for me to turn that on and off. And it was a very difficult dance. And it still is. It's still a constant battle of, oh, I'm just going to make this decision. And her dad's like, hey, over here. And I I have to go, oh God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just did it. I just just did it. And so that's difficult. And then also the 
expectations that I had of him as a father and realizing that I was holding him to a standard that he was never going to meet because that's just not who he is. And that was a difficult challenge too. And recognizing that he's not the same type of parent that I am. And I can't expect him to be or punish him because he's not. And so that was a challenge too. It took a lot of, there's just so many different levels of (laughs) of work when it comes to being a parent, single parent and then co-parent. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. And so your boys are, you said they're 21 now. They will be this year. Yeah. They will be. Yeah. So now is also the process of letting go. And I know for myself, this has been the hardest part because like, uh, well, my son decided, (laughs) he called my bluff and decided to move out right before high school graduation. Oh, wow. Because he didn't want to follow health rules. And if I I thought I could like make this invitation to him and he would decide to stay. Uh And then he was like, no, I think I'll go. (laughs) I was like, no, like that's not what you were supposed to say. <laughs> say that, and you know, and then he had this he these crazy experiences that he needed to have, obviously that were painful yeah. and everything else. And then it's like then he was back in my house for a year and a half, but without a bedroom because everything got shuffled around. So we had this. Well, yeah, room. you left. Yeah, you know, he was in the living room. So I was like, yeah. oh, and I'm you know a year and a half into my living room. So it was just like it's been so interesting to see how first of all addicted I am to trying to control his outcomes. And how addicted I am to like envisioning um, potentials for him that he didn't ask me to envision. Yeah. And how addicted I am to like, I don't know, I guess protecting myself from the fact that he's grown and he's going to leave. Like he's, he's living with my mom right now. So he's already out of the house. So it's like, ah, being a mom is like, it's so like what you're talking about. So full on, so head on. So like making all the decisions, being there to support, guiding the kids. And then one day it's like, one day. Bam, stop. not your job anymore. Yeah, just one day stop. Cold That's turkey. It. Cold turkey. That's my job anymore? Yeah, no weaning it off. You don't need me anymore? You're just gone and that's it? Like, Yeah, especially when you were such an integral part of their lives. It's very, very difficult. So we're working on that. But, but because both of my boys are developmentally delayed, it's going to take a little bit longer for them to get out of the house. But I am. I'm, I'm on that precipice of I want to hold on to them because it's scary for me putting them out into the world, especially knowing that they have developmental challenges. But I'm also partly where I'm like, you know, I'm okay if you go because I kind of want some time to myself. <laughs> I'm ready to have time to myself again. I'm ready. I'm ready to be able to to do that. I told my daughter, um, she, yeah, and there's definitely challenges in that too. So I ran into a sort of similar situation. My daughter, her relationship with her father has been very strained and very difficult for a good part of her life. Her father struggles with alcohol issues and things like that. And so for a very good portion of her life, up until she was 13, she was primarily with me. She spent every other weekend with her dad. That was the schedule. And she all of a sudden decided, hey, I want to go stay with dad more. I want to live over at their house more. And that was really gutting to me. Like I took that super personally and I had to really work through that. And I'm still working through it. I'm definitely better. But I took it really personally and I had to kind of really sit down with that and unpack it because for me, I was like, okay, well, for 13 years of your life, I've been the stable parent. I've been the parent who's been there and done everything. And I've, I've done all of it. 
right? Every doctor appointment for the most part, every event, every, like, I haven't missed any parent-teacher conferences. I haven't missed any plays. I haven't, like, I've been there and been that person. And then all of a sudden you turn 13 and I get kicked to the curb and you go to dad's house because he's more fun or I guess because I don't know, like it, it really was hard for me to kind of really unpack that. And it took a minute and I basically was like, okay, I get it. I don't begrudge you. You spent a really good part of your life desperately wanting a relationship with your father and not having the relationship you wanted. And now that he's able to give that to you, I can't fault you for wanting as much of it as you possibly can get, right? Like I, I can't. And no matter what, I know that you know that I'm here no matter what, you know? So it took a lot and it's still a hard process, you know, because you go from having someone who's been in your home 95% of the time to barely here at all. Right. And that's really difficult. So I've been dealing with that too, but I did tell my daughter, I've started to, you know, mentally get better with it and, and be okay with it. And again, not taking it personally at all, because it's not about me, it's about her. But I told her, I said, when you turn 18, you do realize that I'm out. Right. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, I'm going to travel. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm traveling. She's like, well, you're going to go without me? Yes, I'm going to go without everybody. I'm going to go on a trip and only have to worry about my own luggage. I'm going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to worry about if I lost somebody in the airport or where this person is or where that person (laughs) is. Or they have their luggage or they left something behind. Yes, I don't want to worry about anything. I just want to worry about my stuff. Yes, I'm going to do that and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. I love you, but that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You know, I really love that you spoke to the the way you took it personally. It's like so impossible not to. No. And yeah. like I realized there's just, well, what I've been realizing is that there's so many nuances to this conversation with our kids mm-hmm. and how respectful we have to be of staying in our own lane, yeah. like as they get to the teenage years and also the importance of self-honesty. Like, I don't know about you. It sounds like you've been very attentive and like right on it because you had to be because of the state of your kids' development, like their mm-hmm. health issues. Yeah. For me, like I took, I took a lot of things for granted because my kids were healthy, you know, and as long as they were performing well in school, it's like, ah, oh, things are fine. You know, and I just sort of went mm-hmm. off in my own brain, you know, and <laughs> disappeared. Like I was in the room, but no one's home, that kind of thing. Like I'm here, but no one's home. Right. I, I hear what you're saying and I'm like, uh-huh, 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 but I'm not really there. Yeah. Right. Sort of robot mom. Robot mom. I So I was like present, available, working from home, obviously in the house, but I wasn't always present. I wasn't always there. Mm-hmm. And I got to this place in my spiritual growth over the last several years where I've reached this level of presence that I'm aware. And also probably because my son started, you know, my older son was moving out and all these things. I was like, oh my God, I lost out. Like, Mm. oh crap. I missed out. I wasn't present. I was on my phone at the soccer game. I wasn't like watching every single moment. I was like, I missed out. So I had invited several years ago, my older son, he was interested in the things I was doing shamanically and in my healing work. And I said, well, why don't you come study with my group? You know, why don't you come be a student with them? And, you know, and he was the youngest person they ever took in their program so far. And he came in and he, it seemed like it was all going to be great. Like he was really Mm -hmm. enjoying it, but then he didn't go to the graduation because like right around the end of the program is the part where you're really claiming your power. 
Mm-hmm. And something in him was like, no, I'm not going to like walk my mother's path just because she invited, you know, like there's just something that happened for him and his independence and his like turning 21 that he just didn't complete. And he moved out of the house again for the last time and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, it really hurt my feelings because I was looking forward to celebrating you and being part of community with you. And I, but I had to do this deep work a year later. It's been a year since all of this combustion. And I went on pilgrimage and I had to do this deep work, Heather. It was like, Carrie, let's be honest. You invited him on this path because you you. were unconscious and you missed out Mm -hmm. and you wanted to make up for lost time. Mm -hmm. And so you invited him on this path. Yeah, you did it for you. Is that really fair to invite somebody on a spiritual path Mm -hmm. that may be not their path? And I was like, ah, crap. That's such honesty. That's hard. Those are hard conversations to have with yourself. Super hard. Like that was the really hard conversation I had about my daughter's dad. That was a really hard realization for me to come to, to realize that I was holding him to a standard that he wasn't going to meet. And I was punishing him for not meeting my standard. Right. And it was so crazy to me. Like just the, I remember exactly the exercise that I was doing. It was basically, and I tell my daughter this all the time and I try and get her cause she, she runs into the same problem with her dad. Like she wants him to be the certain type of dad. Right. And meet a certain standard for her. And so she has to kind of do that work too. But yeah, it was, it was just this exercise of, you know, just look up there's the ceiling, look down, there's the floor, look up, ceiling, down, floor, up, down. No matter how much you want the ceiling to be the floor, it's never going to be that way, right? It's just, that's what it is. That's what it is, right? The floor is the floor, the ceiling is the ceiling. And you can't wish it hard enough for those two things to be different, right? So it really is difficult to come to those terms and recognize that the reason that you're upset with somebody is because of what you want from them, as opposed to just the way that they are. And if they're not able to meet that standard, you can't, yeah. So that was a really hard conversation. I still remember the call that I made to him where I was like, look, I want to apologize to you. And he's like, huh? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I want to say that I'm sorry for expecting more out of you than you were able to give, you know? And I, I mean, we still have our challenges. We still have our problems. Everybody does, but that was a really helpful thing for me because it actually ended up giving me more peace because all of the, I like, I look back at the years where I was all really upset and really frustrated and really angry. And just, I was in this constant state of just tension because I was always upset with him for not doing what I wanted him to do. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I can't believe I spent so much time feeling that, but it was all, all because I was expecting more from him. And once I let that go, it just became so much easier, less stress, less frustration. I mean, I still get frustrated with him, but I don't take it personally. I'm just like, okay. That's him. Yeah, that's him. He's a jerk. Okay. That's him. That's all he's capable of. And it's helped with conversations with my daughter too, because she's like, I'm so upset about this. And I'm like, yeah, but baby, you got to understand. I'm like, I understand that you want this from your dad, but he just may not be able to do that. You, you got to understand. And it's up to you to decide if you can live with that or not. That's your choice, right? But you can't be mad at him if he can't do it. So, you know, talk to him, see if he can. I mean, he might be able to change. He might be able to give you what you need, but if he can't, you have to decide how you're going to deal with that because that's the only thing you can control is how you deal with it. 
Yeah, how you face it. Yeah, and if you accept it or not. You know? And we have such power with our storytelling. You know, I really feel like women, especially. Oh, yeah. Because we have such powerful emotions that, you know, we have the capacity to have powerful emotions in our body because our body has like, you know, some obscene amount more receptors in men's bodies. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, like at least four times or something, the receptors. Mm-hmm. And it might even be as much as 10. I, I can't remember what the statistic is, but it's a lot. So we have this capacity to feel nuanced things like way more than men. And we also are trained to be storytellers. Like we communicate, we mm-hmm. talk and we communicate. So mm-hmm. in the talking and the communicating and the feeling, you can just imagine like you were talking about how much energy that creates in the space. And if you're feeling hostile, that's creating hostile energy in the space. So mm-hmm. like I realized I had so one of my G, I always, um, I'm exploring my gene keys and I love them just because they show me a map of my shadows. And one of my shadows I'm really working on is expectation. Because if I have expectations or attachments to things being a certain way, then I can be disappointed. And boy, the disappointment energy is not a pleasant energy to experience for me. Yeah. I don't think anybody enjoys being disappointed, right? That's where a lot of pain comes from. And so, yeah. And that's what really helps me too, is like, I, I had to really understand that the upset and the frustration and the stress and just the inner turmoil that I was going through was all self-inflicted because my ex, her dad, he could have given a crap how I felt. Like he didn't care. <laughs> it didn't hurt him any, but it, you know, that I was upset because he didn't do X, Y, and Z. He's like, whatever, I'm living my life. And that's, you know, I can't help that you're mad about it. And so I really did have to stop and recognize like how much power I was giving this person in control over my emotions. And it was just ridiculous (laughs) how much I gave. And I talked to my daughter about it all the time. I'm like, remember how I used to be? And she's like, oh God, yes. I'm like, yeah, you don't want that. So this is the stuff that I did that helped me get to that point where I was no longer feeling that way, you know? So it's definitely a lot of work, but I can see those stories and those just old ways of understanding things just sort of ingrained in her already, no matter how much I've tried to help, she still has to come to them on her own terms. But it is, it's crazy how deep it is in our society that this is the way it should be. And if it's not this way, you're wrong, you know? Yeah, the right and wrong game. Yeah. What I love about what you're sharing, and I just want to reveal a piece of it, is that there's this way that you're demonstrating for us in this moment through your storytelling that mothering has a lot more to do with what than what you say than what you're actually demonstrating you're doing. Like the inheritance is there, right? Like the inheritance of the patterns. We can't help but pass that down. That's part of what we're here to do. I mean, those patterns were in you when you were um, pregnant and birthing. So it's just like, that's the inheritance. But by demonstrating yourself full on working out those patterns and coping with that, then you show a pathway to a better way. And sometimes I think as moms, we feel like guilty or bad or regretful about maybe some of the earlier demonstrations of coping with those patterns, which aren't as elegant. Yep. And that also serves though, like, right. It's because you just pointed it out to your daughter. You said, listen, remember how I was like this? And your daughter's like, yeah, that was icky. Well, that was teaching. Right. You were being used by spirit to teach a point to your daughter. And that's a a super uncomfortable spot to be in. And it's like, as moms, we're always in that spot. 
Yeah. I tell my daughter, I tell everybody, I'm like, you know, as your mom, I'm like, you got to understand. Yeah, I'm your mom, but I'm a human being and I'm not perfect by any means. So I'm going to always make mistakes. So there's been lots of things that have gone on with us that I recognize in hindsight that I did not handle in the best fashion, (laughs) you know? And so I said, but that's how I learned how to do better. I said, my goal is your mom. And I feel as any parent, our goal is to, you know, keep our kids alive and raise them to the point where they are able to grow and be their own people and hopefully need as little therapy as possible. Like that. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully they only end up meaning minimal therapy. <laughs> and maybe just like take a journey of self-discovery instead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or that they've gone to a point. And I tell my daughter too, I said, you know, the biggest problem is, is that I wanted to raise a daughter who is fiery and independent and a free thinker and stubborn and just goes full force into her life and is really just a force of nature. The problem is, is now I have a child who is opinionated and force of nature. <laughs> and it's really difficult to deal with sometimes. It sure is that mother, that mother-daughter relationship is so challenging because mm-hmm. we, you know, we see ourselves. And I gotta say, I don't have any biological daughters. And both times I wanted girls and God's source creator was like, nope, you're getting boys. It's interesting how we end up with different things. I always said, if I ever have children, I'm only going to have one. And then my first pregnancy, I have twins. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, you think. (laughs) You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get what I give you. (laughs) Exactly. That's a nice point. (laughs) But I see the wisdom of it. I mean, in retrospect, how challenged I was just to be a mom in general and to have boys, which I feel are much easier than girls. Oh, um, for sure. Like dozens of times. Oh my God. I was and, so scared. I was more oh, scared of my daughter than knowing that I was having twins. I was more scared of having my daughter. Having a daughter is like having three boys. <laughs> just something like that. I am consistently calling my father and I, I call him all the time. And I was like, um, I don't remember crying this much. Did I cry this much? Because like she keeps crying all the time. Everything makes her cry. Did I cry this much? Did I do this? And he just laughs at me. He thinks it's hysterical. I'm like, that's not helpful. Yeah, we have short-term memory. (laughs) Well, I have this opportunity now. I have a stepdaughter. So it's like I'm getting to practice vicariously because her mom is the picture, totally in the picture front and center. So I don't need to be that. But I get to be like sideline mom, you know? So it's like- it's kind of good. I get to kind of like be in the picture, but not responsible for the whole thing. Right. <laughs> and it's, um, I like it. I mean, it's, it has its moments where I notice like my shit comes up, like my unhealed aspects rise up and then I'll like find myself in a reactionary space and it'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, that's completely my crap. Has that's nothing to my do stuff. with you. Yep. Like nothing to do with you. That's all me. And yeah. And to have those conversations with her, like, like she'll ask questions like, oh, I noticed that you were really upset yesterday about this or that. And like, what was going on for you? And she's so, she's so like, this is who she is. And I wow, say, that's awesome. and I'm like, oh, that was nothing to do with you. That was completely my crap. I was mm-hmm. going through a moment and yep, I had to get out of the house. And that was just me. That was my stuff completely. Nothing to do with you. You can just l- let that go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have great. this with my kids too. Cause they're like, mom, you're upset. I'm like, yes, but it, you know, and it's so, it, it actually frustrates me because we, we have to have this conversation but again, my boys are developmentally delayed and one of them has short-term memory issues, which is uh, frustrating. Um, but <laughs> there's lots of deep breaths in my household, but they'll come to me and they're just like, you're really upset. Are you okay? They're super intuitive to when I'm not okay. 
but like, I'm like, no, I'm good. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, "Mm." has there ever come a time when I am upset with you that I do not tell you that I am upset with you? (laughs) I'm like, if I'm upset with you, do I not make it clear that I am upset with you? Yes. Okay. Well, if I have not done that, then you don't need to worry about what I'm upset with right now because it's not you. So yeah, so we have those conversations too where I'm like, there are many times where I am frustrated, but it has absolutely nothing to do with you. I am just frustrated. So, you know, there's lots of other things in this world other than you, believe it or not, that upset me. <laughs> yeah, good to clarify those points to our yeah. kids. You know, like you're yeah. not the only thing that gets me riled up. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're like, well, just sometimes you're, yes, sometimes, sometimes I'm upset with you. Sometimes I'm upset with myself. Sometimes I'm upset with my computer. Sometimes I'm upset with the dogs. It can be, and it's, you know, it's a moving target. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. So just know, everywhere. <laughs> but if it's ever you, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's great. I feel like these vulnerable, transparent conversations are new for our generation. And yeah. I think it helps our kids a lot to know that it's not, yeah. you know, to speak it out loud and to say, this isn't you. Yes, you detected it. Yes, you're completely correct. I am having a moment and it's not about you and it's okay. And you don't need to fix it. I'm fine. It's actually fine for me to be a little bit in my pissy space right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Everybody has those moments, right? Yeah, I tell my daughter all the time, it's human to be upset. It's human to be frustrated and angry and lose your temper and to be upset or annoyed or sad. It's totally fine as long as you're trying to work through it and figure it out. And you're not projecting or blaming it on somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's the only nuance. I'm like, oh, whose is that? That's not mine. I'm not taking that on. I did that for too many years where I took the Mm -hmm. whole kit and caboodle on. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, so this has been awesome. I know that these are the kind of conversations that you have on your podcast, right? On the Single Mom Podcast. Yeah, lots of different stuff. I talk about all kinds of different things. But yeah, a lot of just mindset work and, you know, a lot of the things that I find are limiting for single moms, especially just that, you know, the belief that, oh, I should feel this way or, oh, this is how my life's supposed to be or, oh, I can't get out of this, right? It's, there's so many different things that are imposed on us. So for us to impose even more restrictions and and other things that make it even harder for ourselves is just silly, right? So why make the situation worse for yourself by keeping yourself in a poor mindset or keeping yourself down? right? There's enough stuff against you as a single parent. Why would you add more? (laughs) Yeah. Why would you add more? Yeah. Why would you make it worse? Yeah. So I know that there's really good gems on your podcast. And so I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with people as a way to kind of get started knowing you better or the things that you do in the Um, world? Yeah, no, just the single mom blog is the blog post. And then the single mom podcast is one of the easiest ways to, you know, consume the content. I have lots of moms that get back to me and say, I listened to your podcast while I'm doing the dishes or whatever. So, um, so that's usually the easiest way, but yeah, those are the two main places to find me. Awesome. Well, I'll put links to that in the show notes and I'm just so grateful for you coming on the show today and and sharing your spirit and your wisdom and your strength and your inspiration. So you guys out there, if you really love this podcast and you got a lot of benefit from it, please do me a favor, like, and share it. And, you know, give us a five-star review on wherever you find us, iTunes or YouTube or anything like anything like that. And then head on over to the Single Mom Podcast and do the same. Yay, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that we can, and I'm going to be on Heather's podcast as well. So I'll give you guys a link in the show notes to that. So you can go check it out and listen to what we're going to talk about over there. And in the meantime, I like to give everybody kisses. Would you like to join me in giving people kisses? Sure. All right, here they come people, because you need kisses and love. 
it's just so good, especially that they're COVID free because you know they're, yes. they're virtual. <laughs> Here they come. <laughs> Love you guys. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are Yeah, yeah